Welcome to Live Culture. I'm your host, Martha Willette Lewis, and I'm very delighted to have today with me on the radio, Rita Valley. Rita, can you hear me? Yes, I can. That Hi, is Martha. just so marvelous. So Live Culture, for those who are just tuning in, is a monthly program by me. I'm a visual artist, and it is a conversation about the visual arts, sometimes in Connecticut and sometimes globally. But today we're going to focus on Connecticut and Rita Valley is an artist who is in an exhibit called The Not-So-Silent Witness, along with artist Lydia Viscardi, and the two are good friends and have a good visual rapport, and that's at Camp Gallery, which is at Main Street in Westport. Um, so welcome, Rita. Great to Hello. have you on the show. Thank you. So I, I, I wanted to talk to you about the title of the show. Who came up with that? Um, Melanie Propopoulos, who is the... Uh, curator and owner of the gallery conceived of the title and kind of ran it by Lydia and I. And we were both really pleased. We were like, oh, that's nice. Because sometimes it's hard to come up with a title that you really feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I think it really fits the fact that we're both responding to cultural issues that are going on and trying to use our voices as artists to enact change and to be activists. Yeah, so the not-so-silent witness is kind of funny, too. It sounds like, you know, uh, not only can you not keep quiet about things, but also you're, you're a little bit of a big mouth, both of you. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, especially me. I mean, I was in a especially show one time you. called, you know, No Loss for Words. Yeah. Um, and I do use text and words and language in my pieces, in my artwork. So right. it did really fit well. So I want you to talk a little bit. Um, about what your work looks like, because this is radio, and I know what your work looks like, and I can lead people to the website, but please describe. Um, okay, my work is predominantly fabric. I do work sometimes in collage, but the predominant work in the show is fabric and textiles. Um, they're fairly large. They're very colorful. I tend to have almost maybe a central medallion where I put my text Mm-hmm. And they're often phrases or words that have gotten stuck in my head. Like, um, I've got a piece in the show that says FOMO, which is slang for fear of missing out. Yeah, and you use a lot of uh, what I would say is sort of popular culture language, things taken from the Internet and, and yeah. social media and things that are just sort of floating around to the point of, um, well, the way you use them, it sounds sort of uh, ironic, but... They are ironic. I mean, I'll see these phrases and I'll think, oh, well, what does that mean? And then I'll start trying to apply it to my life as an artist. Like, we're really afraid now with all the technology and all of the, like, things going on and there's so much information. Like, did I not apply to the right grant? How come that person's showing and I'm not? You know, why am I not invited to that party? You know, we're all afraid of all this stuff. And it can be overwhelming and kind of ridiculous it's more than kind of ridiculous and social media for (laughs) sure aggravates this you know we're all busy presenting even when we're trying to present our real selves it's it it induces envy and um, Uh, one of the things that I've realized over the years is no matter where I get to in my career um, there's always a feeling that there's somewhere else that I would like to go and there's Uh, always somebody who's probably envying me or would like to be where I am. Yeah, um, that's, that's really exactly what the piece I did that says the envy pool was about. I was describing uh, to a friend how, you know, you can't just say to somebody, congratulations, you got a grant or you're in a show or you got a great review. 
there's always that little bit of like poking, like mm-hmm. how come I didn't get it? And I mean, we're all the recipients of these things, and I find myself sometimes feeling that way too. So I made a piece that's got a snake across the top, which my partner Bob Keating fashioned for me, to hang my piece on, and it's got this kind of acid-colored toile in the background mm-hmm. that's like kind of, you know, like green with envy. Yeah. And then we're all kind of drowning in this pool at the bottom with this like faux alligator pool sign. <laughs> that's very funny. funny. That's very, yeah, very funny. Uh, it's funny to make us like feel a little better about all of this. Well, I usually feel bad about feeling that kind of jealousy because honestly um the person who got it probably you know they deserve it and um it doesn't mean that that i don't deserve something half the time i don't get my act together and apply nearly enough and they've probably been doing something more than what i've been doing and it 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 should be kind of we should be supporting each other more and yes. spending less time being envious about things. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a nice point because we're all kind of pulling in this together. And yeah. like Lydia and I often discuss, and I have discussed this with you too, we're at the same kind of point in our careers, the same general age grouping. Mm-hmm. We've been working this for a really long time. And I know how hard it is, so I try to be very supportive of other artists. I mean, yes, I look over my shoulder, and I look at New York a lot, and I'm always trying to aspire to be in shows there, mm-hmm. which kind of brings up the question, too, of, like, we have really good galleries, like the Camp Gallery, like, you know, many other places that are trying in Connecticut to get people to stay here and look at the artists they are showing here. Right. there's so many fine artists in Connecticut. There really are. There really are, and... You know, I wanted to start the new year off this live culture with something really positive. And you, you bring up something that is really positive, And Camp Gallery is evidence of that. Um, Camp Gallery is on Main Street in Westport. And I think you mentioned Melanie Propopulous. Prop- Propopulous. Thank you. And I know that she spoke with Lydia the other night to um, Jim Motivali on his show about the exhibit as well, which is great. WPKN loves visual artists, and I think that's really wonderful. Oh, I do, um, too. That was Grayson. That was her gallerist that was speaking. Oh, and they're okay. fabulous to work with. And they're so knowledgeable, and they just made this such a pleasure cruise for Lydia and I. I cannot say good enough things about them. The so, gallery is beautiful. They're fabulous to work with. This is really good to hear. And um, I've, I've heard other similar things from other artists, friends of mine who have, have had experiences there. And I, the other thing that's really interesting is that post or during COVID lockdown, people were fleeing New York and galleries were closing. And yeah. obviously the big ticket blue chip galleries are, are doing, you know, they're probably fine. Um, and they're international anyway. And a lot of it seems to me, and I could be wrong about this, but it seems to me that there's been an influx into Connecticut of gallerists who realize that they could either have their weekend home and move their gallery here from New York or that Connecticut might be a more hospitable place to have the kind of life that they want and still be able to afford to go to the art fairs, which they're more or less obliged to do anyway, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's a really good observation because there are some really, really nice places cropping up. Kent's got several Kent, really good yeah. things. You and I went on a field trip up we there. We did, and that was a really wonderful day. You know, I, yeah. I, I felt um, my own traditional view of galleries, commercial galleries in Connecticut, I'm not talking about not-for-profits, but, but commercial galleries, is that they've been much more centered on um, 
decorative arts and and things that are you know and they're, they're things for people's homes. I shouldn't call it decorative arts. Things for people's homes. Um, yeah, I agree. But I mean, everything can be something for somebody's home. I mean, I've had you think the envy some, pool could be? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've had people buy some very provocative works, and like obviously Lydia's work too mm-hmm. is very very beautiful, which draws you in. I mean, there's so much texture and craft to it. And yet she's got really amazing details that when you look at them, she's like saying things that are important. Thorny bits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So both of you have a really nice, you've you've been friends for a long time, and I kind of want to go into the commonalities of some of your work a little bit. Um, For me, looking at it, you both have a love of pattern. Yes. And... Her, her use of it is slightly different than yours. You use all kinds of crazy mass-produced <laughs> pattern textiles, things with textures and, and, you know, metallics and leathers and fake leathers and yep. vinyls and things. And she has a lot of patterning in her work as well and, and a lot of collage technique in her work. Um, yes. Can you talk also- about your friendship and the commonalities as you see them visually? Yeah, it, it's very interesting because... We've been friends. We really admire each other's work, and we have similar backgrounds. Like, I know that Lydia has mentioned that she was brought up as a Catholic, and mm-hmm. some of her imagery starts out with, like, a heaven and then kind of an earthly space and then a hell underneath. Yeah. And some of my work references the things from childhood and memory that come up. Um, I think that we became very simpatico when we were put together, because Melanie, the gallerist, did say, you know, maybe people would think of putting my work with somebody who is more overtly political. But I think Melanie was very prescient in putting the two of us together, because there is that love of handcraftedness. Mm-hmm. They're both of labor. us intensively, yeah. handcrafted, labor intensive. We're both working on things that might look kind of like referencing women's work. Yeah, I, I was mean, going to bring that up too. There is a there is a element of women's work and crafting in there that that's quite strong. Right, which is really important because it does kind of transcend the whole like oh the art world kind of macho thing. Mm-hmm. And I think with fiber and textile arts, people are being able to see that you know women are making very serious work that involves things. I mean, like Lydia uses like lace in so many beautiful ways. Um, you know, and I'm just like drawn to materials that I call like, like kind of like biological breakdown materials, things that look like <laughs> moles and mildews. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and they're very beautiful and sumptuous in one way and very shiny. But then when you look at them more closely and you couple it with what I'm trying to say, you know, you get a real mixed thing. You get yeah. pulled in and then you're kind of like, okay, now I've got to confront some of the craziness that's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, some of your materials also seem to echo. Um, concerns about the climate crisis and so forth. Yes. Like you use things that I think of as being a little gaudy and yeah. on the vulgar side. Like I, I remember you had one piece that had uh, white faux pearlized snake skin and then and yes. a big fake pearl edging on it. Yes. And and it's all of these things that are like ersatz natural things. Yeah, I'm very drawn to like things that kind of reflect how plastic and how melted down our culture is becoming. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that is important. It's funny, though, because I don't really work with recycled or repurposed things much, whereas I know Lydia does bring in some, like, antique 
fabrics and stuff, and I find right. that really fascinating. Right. She's salvaging certain things yeah. and using them for their the fact that they've got some wear and some hand touch on them, too. Yes, and some, like, agent history to them. Mm-hmm. Um, where I kind of like, like, there's kind of a brash newness. That's really funny because I buy most of my clothing used. Right. But I like working with, <laughs> like, new, new material. Yeah, there, I know there's something so untouched, like I can give it a history. Yeah. Um, and, and I can kind of make it have a new life in a way. Like people ask me at fabric stores, like, what are you working on in this kind of perky <laughs> way? And I'm like, oh, trouble, you know, pro- like problems. And I can't repeat on the air some of the words I use. Yeah. As Lydia said the other day, Rita never met profanity that she didn't like. And they, <laughs> they do use, That's very good. Nice. I know, nice, I, Lydia. I, I, I've, got to, I've got to thank her for that one. Mm-hmm. because. That was brilliant, but it's true. I mean, I do use strong language. Um, mm-hmm. So of the language that you are allowed to use on the air, um, yes. can you say some of the, the phrases that float through your work that one might see at Camp Gallery? Um, yes. I mean, I have a whole series, and I actually wore the T-shirt, and I know you have one that has a WTF I on love it. my w- yes. WTF shirt, yes. You rock that. Everybody <laughs> who's got one rocks it. And so that, we've got a bunch of the WTF things. Mm-hmm. Um, which I've been told by a teacher when some child saw it, they said, oh, it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so that's, that's fine. That's so sweet. <laughs> that's, I know. That was very nice. That was the expurgated version. Um, I have a very large piece that says art whore, uh-huh. um, which is a very funny reference to the idea that we'll do anything to get shows. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're willing to prostitute our ideals for the fame yeah. and the glamour. <laughs> yes, all the fame and glamour that we're experiencing on a daily basis. Yeah, that's why we make the big money. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I mean phrases like that. I mean I can I can say those on there. Um blood money. I mean mm-hmm. I do have a piece in the show that says eat the rich, which is probably a little controversial. So most um, of the things seem to be sort of general comments on capitalism. Um yeah, there's a lot of that because I'm very aware being an artist and being at my advanced age, I'm 66 now. Of like, I don't make a lot of money, but I'm not looking to do so. Mm-hmm. I would much rather get a message across. I do like it when I sell things. I mean, sure. I'll put it that way again. Um, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel validated. And I have gotten grants for my work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it allows you look- to eat and pay the bills. I mean, there's exactly. some sort of nuts and, like, and bolts pleasures about being able to eat. <laughs> this is a very good point. We need to get tires for the car, too. You know, yeah. I, it's not like we're running around like buying diamond rings or living like the Kardashians. Mm-hmm. Um and I know we don't even aspire to that, but I do think that getting messages out there, like several of my pieces at the gallery, are very much about the gun violence that's going on yeah. right now. And I know Which that's is way out of control. Dear. And, you know, yeah. I woke up today and I had wanted to have optimistic things and I was reading about Tyree Nichols. Oh, and, I know. And his mother is, is I know. A, an amazing person. It's and heartbreaking. It's uh, you know, between police violence and just general gun violence, um, and uh, I don't even have the words for it. It's it is heartbreak is is it? Yeah. But my heart has been broken and smashed yeah. so many times. So one of the things is that art can be really kind of cathartic, um, yeah. and it it's helpful to be able to keep laughing to some extent and keep fighting at the same time. And I think it's that kind of balance that you need to have and that art really helps with that, you know, in terms of protest. Oh, I um, totally agree. You and Margaret Rolicky worked on several projects mm-hmm. involving, have, you know, her work with gun shells yep. and your thoughts and prayers flags. Yep, that's and, up at Mocha Westport right now, yep. Exactly. And, I mean, all of these things are really, really important. And as artists and actors, I cannot imagine 
like not looking at that. I mean, I try to be positive about it, and I yeah. do try to put a funny spin on some of the stuff just because you do have to keep going. You I have mean, to no keep dancing, you have to keep laughing, and you have to yes. keep going forward. And honestly, I don't think... I'm not a big fan of, of I think, so personally, this is a very personal opinion. Um, it is not the opinion of WPKN. It is a very personal opinion. Um, there's a lot of very earnest artwork out there that, that expresses very real pain um, or sentiments that, that I believe in, but I don't think... I think you're talking, you're preaching to the converted many times already in, in gallery spaces. Yes. And the question is how to talk to people in a larger conversation and how to have something that brings them in and makes them think about it. And humor and wit need to be employed, I think, to get this to work. I um, agree. And that's that's sadly lock, lacking a lot of times in the general art world. Yeah. People tend to get very, you know, kind of pretentious and very serious about things. Hey, and I'm deadly serious about what I'm doing. Oh, but yeah, I, also, I know. We all take ourselves yeah. very seriously. And at the same time, we, we need to, you know, uh, lighten, up. Or lighten up. And on that note, I want to say that you are listening to WPKN 89.5 FM and streaming online at WPKN.org. We are your listener-supported radio station, and I am here right in our beautiful station in downtown Bridgeport. And I am Martha Willett Lewis. This is Live Culture, a monthly program about art and culture. And I am on the phone with Rita Valley, who's an artist who has a show up right now with Lydia Viscardi at the wonderful Camp Gallery in Westport, Connecticut. And it is called The Not-So-Silent Witness. And that show, the show is up now and it's up until February 28th. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Um, so does Lydia's work have words in it as well? Um, she's got some words in her work. She takes, like, there was one piece that has little signs on it, and if mm-hmm. you look at them closely, there's, like, Black Lives Matter signs and other, mm-hmm. like, little statements in there. Um, I think she uses a visual language, like, more than me. I'm very, right. like, text-heavy, and I think hers present more of a narrative kind of story to what's going on. She has um, very intricate work that kind of draws you in. You want to get close to it. And they're a little bit like puzzles sometimes. Yes. yes and that's like very appealing. It's very appealing. You definitely do spend time trying to read whatever the narrative is. Yes. And they're so just beautiful. I mean, mm-hmm. in a tactile sense, in a color sense. I mean, she's a real master of what she's up to there. I mean, I'm very envious. I look at it sometimes. Sometimes I think of myself as kind of a generalist. I'm like, get the message out there. Get the word up there big. And then I look at somebody who is working on such intricate things as Lydia's, and I'm like, wow, that is so beautiful, you know? <laughs> well, you know, we all have different skill sets, right? Yes. And I And I think, I do think of you as a rather improvisational worker um, there in your little sweatshop there, uh, <laughs> pulling out bolts of fabric, trying out this with that, pinning that yep. up. And, and yep. in some ways you do have to get the word out because there's a shelf life to some of the language. It definitely yes. dates itself. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but, but you can probably... You probably know exactly when you've made your past work by yes, the kinds of phrases you're using. No, yeah, because the last president, whose name I'm not going to mention on air, mm-hmm. um, he oh, yeah. gave me a lot of fodder. And yeah. I'm glad that that stage is done. Those pieces are there. And in one way, I see myself as creating an archive of some of the crazy words and phrases that come through our language. Yeah. And then probably evaporate. 
but I'm making kind of a lexicon of things to like the the you know fear of missing out. Right. I mean, a few years from now, maybe nobody will remember what that means. I don't know. I mean, it's like NFTs. Um, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, NFTs are going the way of the winds as well. well yeah, and Bitcoin. Kind of, we can figure it out exactly what it was. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Like I did a piece that says it's not in the show, but a piece that I'm still working on that says this is not an NFT because it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's a specific thing, and it's hanging on my wall. And I was actually approached by a few people through Instagram saying, "Hey, I could make your work into NFTs." Oh, I bet they could. And I'm like, you know, but pay me in like U.S. dollars, thank you very much. You can buy whatever you want, you know. Right, right. Well, I don't know whether they can buy the unique (laughs) digital rights to your artwork. I have a little bit of a problem with that. Um, They can buy the piece. They they can turn it into an NFT if they want. But, you know, give me money in my coffers and not Bitcoin, thank you. Not Bitcoin, thank you, yeah. Um, But weirdly, a lot of artists will work for barter. We can exchange, like, you know. I love I love trading artworks with other artists and other things like that. Um, so it's not all about money, but I have a deep distrust of things like Bitcoin and these other very yeah. Ponzi scheme sounding things. But you're right. It's great fodder for work. I never mentioned the um, former last president by name because I felt like that was aggrandizing. <laughs> you know, I just feel like it's using profanity on air, which we shouldn't be doing. So right, um, <laughs> but it did actually um, spur me to make certain kinds of work that I'm not sure I would have made otherwise. That were definitely political de- declarations, um, and it definitely clarified for a lot of artists, um, you know, their their viewpoint on on how we should all be. Uh, how best to comport ourselves and what values we hold dear. Yes, and and that kind of wraps full circle back around to the role of women in Mm -hmm. the world and in art and how women's rights are being taken away. (sighs) Um, I was happy to be, because of Camp Gallery again, a part of the show Women Pulling at the Threads of Social Discourse that was at Mocha Westport this summer. And that's a beautiful title, by the way. Yeah, and it, the the show was just beautiful. I mean, people were brought to tears because mm-hmm. so much of the work was really about how women, you know, <laughs> are just losing their ability to have control over their bodies or speak out. I mean, we're going back in time, and I'm old enough to we're know... We're losing it when, through legal decision-making that... Yes. that it, 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 we're losing it in a very unfair way as well. Exactly. I mean, we're not being even asked to vote on. And thank God for people like in the state of Kansas, which surprised everyone, actually voted to say, no, a woman's right to choose what they do with their body should remain their right, not the Supreme Court. Well, and Um, and I think that the odd thing is um, that this is a minority religious group's opinions. Most people in the country support the right to choose and many many people support Planned Parenthood who perhaps don't believe in abortions because it's honestly the only health care available in many places so you know and that's what's really really upsetting it's not actually reflecting we the people's opinions about things 
That's right. That's right. And, and again, I mean, we do have the voice, being visual artists, to be able to make work that does reflect these things. And to be able to say, hey, like, this can look very beautiful. You can walk into this space. I mean, galleries are open doors for people to come in. Yeah, and they're free. Discourse. Yeah. And, and it's free, right? It's, it's for not you. Like it's it's not a store. Right. That's right. That's right. And you can see things that maybe challenge you on a certain level, but maybe you'll leave thinking, yeah, I really hadn't thought about that way. And, and it, presenting it in a beautiful and an accessible way right. may make it that much easier for people to say, you know, I can change my tune or I can see somebody else's viewpoint. So art actually can change opinions and it can allow people to ha- try on different viewpoints or look at uncomfortable material and they know that they can leave the gallery and either think about it or not think about it afterwards, but they can have that experience um, and it, it's incredibly important uh, I think what what art can do in terms of reimagining the future, ima- talking about what we could be, what we are. Um, you what brought we aspire up, to be. What we aspire to be, right? And and some and, and there's a way of doing it in a hopeful way without being Pollyanna-ish either. Yes. Right. Yes. Like and without glossing over the real atrocities going on. Uh, you brought up women, and I want to give a shout out to a project that I'm involved with in two ways, both at the Institute Library and WPKN. Um, we're having an open call right now in celebration of Women's History Month, and it's called Sound and Vision 2 for the Record. And the information on it is on both the WPKN website and the Institute Library website. And the idea is that anybody who wants to can make a work of art that is a fake record cover, 12 by 12 inches, celebrating um, musical women, any, you know, however you want. So it could be a band that, um, bands you'd like to see, rework ones that exist, make up a commentary, make up an all new album and performer. You can put words on it, images, um, and protest, celebrate, rewrite history, imagine a future, and make up a dance craze. And this is free and open to all. The deadline is February 15th, and I would like to invite listeners to take a look and consider participating. There will be an art exhibit, and it will be an awful lot of fun. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's, it's both visual and musical, which is, and fun. Double, double the fun. Double the fun. So that yeah. was my shout out for that. Um, and then Camp Gallery, are, are there going to be any events? Are you going to be speaking? Yes, we haven't figured out when, but I know we've been all talking about how you can't shut us up. So yeah. um, we'd love to have an artist dialogue, you know, and have people come and ask questions. That'd be great. Um, really look at things again. I mean, the opening was loads of fun. My voice is much deeper today than it was. Oh, really? We talked so much <laughs> last night, but it was really invigorating and just exciting. But yes, we're planning at least to have an artist talk of some kind. That's great. The mouthy gals. I like it. Um, yeah. And... <laughs> So it's good that you had a wonderful opening as well last night. And one of the wonderful things about the art world is the way that it brings people together. And I'm so pleased that we can actually go to real live events again. Yes. And that was really nice because we all kind of still are doing this like awkward little dance like, wow, we're actually looking at friends and people coming in the door and can we get close to them? And is somebody going to be wearing a mask? Should I be wearing a mask? I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on, but I think everybody's feeling like, Yes, we can go out and we can do this. And because art, visual art is so tactile, you want to be there at the gallery and you want to really see these things. Well, both um, of your work is really tactile. I mean, you've got 
your your work are textile wall hangings sewn together with these various surfaces on them, and Lydia's work as well is um, collaged yes. and very, very tactile. Yes, all hand done, too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, it's a real kind of throwback because so much stuff now is like AI and like computer generated, and that's great. I think it's fine. But I also think that the world needs to know people still work with their hands, and it's a wonderful thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it, you know, I do a lot of it for the therapeutic value for me, but also there's a real pleasure in seeing things that are made and how they're made. And the fact that it's not all 3D printed or AI produced or on a digital screen. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, some of that is it's really great. and I'm really envious of it because I mean, I can do computer things, but I'm not that good at it. Whereas when I'm working and what you just said is really true, when I'm working in my studio, all those stitches that people go, wow, you sewed all that. And I'm like, it's like meditation. I yeah. sit there yeah, and I can completely. just be with myself and play with my dog occasionally and like just keep sewing. And then I look and I go, wow, I just sewed that piece up and it's 16 feet long. <laughs> <laughs> like, stop. <laughs> or don't well, stop. <laughs> work allows us to keep going. It's yes. not just a way of processing information. It allows us to proceed through the day. You know, I always say that art saves my life every day. And it, it sounds like a platitude, but it's really true. No, it's true. And that's, that's a really good positive thing to be looking at. Because I know you and I were talking the other day on the phone about trying to be more positive with just there is so much grim stuff out there and it's, and it's not to like sugarcoat things but it is to say if you can laugh about things somewhat and you can make art that like moves people and you can find that time in your studio to work on things yeah it, it is a lifesaver right no be resilient make stuff yes. talk yes. about making things share it yes. yeah on that note rita valley thank you so much for being on live culture and Thank you for having me. And I hope that I did write by Lydia Viscardi, who's a fabulous artist, and yeah. by Camp Gallery, who is a fabulous gallery. And it's so great that, that the Not-So-Silent Witness will be up and open to the public through February 28th. It is open on Main Street in Westport. They have a very nice website with lots of really interesting things that I wasn't expecting, like artist interviews and things like that. So yes. highly worth looking at. Um, so thank you, Rita, and bye-bye. Hey, bye-bye. So when we come back, I'm going to take a little break. And when we come back, I'm going to have Eleanor Slamba from Arts West, Connecticut on. This is Live Culture. I'm your host, Martha Willette Lewis. Live Culture is a monthly program about visual art. And this is WPKN 89.5 FM and streaming online at WPKN.org. This is a song that I absolutely love from Poppy Ajuda. It's her new record, The Power in Us, and this is Mother's Sister's Girlfriends.
Welcome back to Live Culture. I'm really happy to have with me on the phone Eleanor Slamba from Arts West, Connecticut. Hello, Eleanor. Hi, Martha. Great to be here. Thanks. It's great to have you. Um, So tell people what Arts West, Connecticut is. Let's start off with the basics. Sure. Arts West CT is a public-facing arts service organization in zip code 06516, and its mission is to center creative performance by and for the West Haven community. So hyper-local, perhaps. Hyper-local, but, you know, it seems like an area of the greater New Haven area that, that hasn't gotten enough attention in terms of having a venue and having, you know, a strong, I guess, uh, platform to put out what's there. Some of the stuff has been going on before, before now, but, but it hasn't been as visible. Yeah. Visible. It's (laughs) visible now. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think so. I mean, a few years back, you'll recall the alternative space for Citywide Open Studios was held at the Yale West campus mm-hmm. in 2018, 2019. I think, you know, that helped a few people kind of see outside of their own studios of like, hey, we should be talking more throughout the year. We're both in West Haven. And there were, there was a core group of about 30 people um, that decided to, to do that. And um, Is that how it started? It. Is it started well, through through Open Studios? Because you were instrumental in in organizing and running the alt space that well, year. Well, that's how I got involved. I mean, there was a board called Arts West CT that was involved years ago in making plans and working with a consultant to consider a property on uh, Center Street in West Haven, 304 Center Street, to be a, an art center, which hopefully mm-hmm. can happen in the future. But so that board... Um, actually registered for citywide open studios in i I can't recall if it was 2018 i think it was 2019 Uh and had a space there and um had some photographs of the interior of that building and some Mm -hmm. you know was kind of a meet and greet and got got um a mailing list reinvigorated and that became the seeds of the the newsletter that i send out once a month just to let people know what's going on in arts and culture here in west haven so yeah it's all connected and are you a west haven are you resident is that is there a particular, um, or is it that I you do, just felt like the project needed to be done? Um, well, I I am a resident, and um, I've raised a couple of kids here. Mm-hmm. But I think that uh, as a student of public policy and urban studies and whatnot, I think the inner ring, uh, so called, if we want to, you know, be binary about that, the inner ring and the outer ring is a kind of an interesting place to be because. Mm-hmm. You know, we get, um, and you'll have to excuse, I do have two medium-sized parrots. I was wondering what that was. I kept thinking it was some sort of electronic blip. It's the birds. The birds are participating. Pets are part of our lives these days, whether we're being interviewed on the radio or on Zoom or whatnot. So, yes, you'll just have to picture them flying around. Lovely. Um, So... um, Yes, the um, <laughs> the inner ring gets kind of jostled, you know, in between um, our our neighbors of uh, New Haven and mm-hmm. Milford, and mm-hmm. people are oriented in various ways. But we kind of want our own uh, narrative and destiny and cultural scene. So that's that's deserving and a worthwhile project for me to kind of plant my feet. And also, it seems to me that that well, I want more arts venues everywhere. I mean, I feel like art. Um, is is a very healthy thing to have around one in all of its in all of its forms, and that we need more of everything. Um, and wouldn't it be great if people were coming from Milford or New Haven to West Haven just 
for the for the arts. I mean, bring people over too. Well, that's the great thing, and I, and I think they already are in some mm-hmm. ways. But we did a cultural assets mapping project during the throughout the pandemic with mm-hmm. some intern support, and of course, um, before introducing um, anything new or just as part of getting getting oriented it's always good to know you know who's who's here yeah what do you have going on right and what what is the culture um so many artists working in studios and a lot of people doing interesting things in all kinds of disciplines Mm -hmm. there's a good amount of social dance and culturally specific dance forms but you know not a lot of venues so very artist rich but venue poor yeah. So the venue that you have hopefully in in mind is an old Masonic Hall and it's quite beautiful. Um yeah, I mean that was earmarked long before me and I think we can be helpful to the project. Mm-hmm. Um our future our SPT isn't isn't tied to that specific okay. project. I mean we're right. growing and centering creative performance in in all different um places and we we did make music day last summer down at the beach great but yes that is a former masonic temple and of course that's a trend nationwide you may have seen a number of other communities have taken masonic temples and repurposed them for cultural ways Mm -hmm. and that's nice because there is a lot of of inherently craft that's gone into these amazing buildings yeah and it's nice to remember them um in a in a way that's um in in the public sphere. Well, there's something nice about taking something that was so exclusive and turning it into something inclusive. And as an artist, I love the idea of repurposing things. It makes me very sad that so many things get left to decay. And then, you know, things that have been really well made at the beginning and then other things that are perhaps not as well made get sort of slapped up there. Um, right. So I, yeah, yeah. Ecologically speaking, I like to see this happen. So tell me about some of the projects that that you've done. And I want to go back to the map as well. I can't decide which one I want to talk about first. The map is really compelling. So maybe talk about the map first and who's doing what and how the map and what it is. Um, Yeah, there is a a really cool to use tool called the the Camp Kit, the Cultural Assets Mapping Project Mm -hmm. Kit. And that was um, passed along by Alicia Martindale, a colleague in Hamden. It's a tool that much bigger cities than us have used to see who's out there culturally, who's doing what, and such as uh, Austin, Texas. And what I like is that the definition of culture um, is very broad. So houses of worship, uh, restaurants that are dedicated to a particular cuisine. You know, there's many different things that people might not think of as arts-based per se, but are certainly cultural. Uh, mm-hmm. West Haven has a, a number of landmarks and public spaces, and nearly um, 70% of the entries, whether they're for-profit businesses, which a lot of those exist but are creatively oriented, mm-hmm. or um, not-for-profit organizations like our largest cultural asset is the West Haven Veterans Museum and Learning Center right there by the train station. You can walk to it right off the train station. Um, but regardless, um, if they are connected to cultural heritage in any way, you know, that's noted in addition, and mm-hmm. the, the vast majority are. So there's 
you know, the, the place, places tell a lot of stories and people are doing uh, all kinds of creative work, but need to be more um, visible, as you started off saying, mm-hmm. and we're happy to help do that. So um, I think, if, in, am I right in thinking that the, one of the, the challenges is that West Haven is um, people, you need to drive to places quite a bit and it's a bit diffuse? Well, there is some walkability in a couple of different areas. I mm-hmm. mean, there is um, there is a very walkable um, downtown. It it has some things that are that are interesting to go to. But you know, the more you put there within that walkable distance, then uh, it creates um, leverages. Uh, yeah. For, the economic and cultural benefits multiply from there. Right. There's also walkability down at the beach, which attracts people from all over. And then Allentown is a whole um, historical neighborhood, and that's where the University of New Haven is, is one of our partners. And that's mm-hmm. where the International Festival of Arts and Ideas held a couple of events last May. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a couple of different, I mean, if, if we were going to consider like kind of a cultural district, it would really have to have like three different lobes here mm-hmm, in West Haven mm-hmm. or, at, you know, at least, but that's, that's cool. That's fine. It is cool, and, but it does present a certain kind of challenge because it's not sort of like one stop shopping where you can uh, pull up and there's not sort of one arts district. It's easier. It, you lose people a little bit sometimes when, when things get too, um, when they're, separated by location that is true and um walkability even to the train station would be a a wonderful plus i think for any any cultural thing so it is something that one thinks about organizing things you know how to how to make that how to bridge that you know Mm -hmm. and i think it's something that that presumably the city itself will figure out in the future maybe shuttle buses or trams or i don't know what but but something that would kind of lead people around in a in a less car driven way. Mm. Yeah, that's that's nice to think about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't sound like we, you think that's going to happen. So tell me some of the things that you're working on and that have uh, been. Yes. Well, the West Haven um Childhood Development Center is located on Noble Street and they've been a wonderful partner. They stepped forward through the Early Childhood Council of West Haven and wanted to hear about our plans for Make Music Day. We mm-hmm. thought of plugging into this this international thing that happens and, you know, we've already got people coming down to the beach on the first day of summer, so why not add the music to it and plug into that, right. that larger event? So, so I know Make Music Day from, from France and basically every town has outside free music of all different kinds, um, and it's a day when the entire country kind of celebrates musicalness and the U.S. has sort of followed suit. So, you know, you can go to the beach and hear live music and it's free and open to everybody. And, and there's usually lots of different kinds. So, that's right. How, yeah, that's just for people who may not know what Make Music Day is, but it's really lovely. Very good point. And so the Childhood Development Center serves 140 families and uh, was kind of trying to help everyone catch up from the socialization that did not happen during COVID. Yeah. So that's an example of art solving a, a social need and the, in this case, the developmental needs of children mm-hmm. and helping a group that's not an arts-based group, 
but helping them with their mission. And so this, the center invited us to have an artist in residence um, who is Latin percussionist, Moises Vasquez, that we met through musical intervention. And he did a residency there, helped um, the kids learn about percussion. It just started with Wonderful. him setting up his drums in their playground. And then so it built up. And then they made drums. Oh. And there was, yeah, there was there were a couple of different days and then they brought things home and talked to the family about it so mm-hmm. all of this was preparatory so that when the the big day came and everybody met down at the beach there was um even more to celebrate so we knew there was that base of audience but that wasn't the only uh audience or participants people came um from our senior community and um the city was very generous in including it in their emails mm-hmm on their their e-blast and so it just turned out you know why not it just felt very natural to be celebrating the first day of summer with music down at the beach in that sounds great a beach town yeah that yeah, sounds so absolutely that fantastic that'll happen uh, again this yeah. summer yes we figured out you know how much everything costs and how to do everything um permit wise so we will we're all set we did a big crowdfunding campaign this past fall i wanted to talk about that sustainable cts yeah matching fund sustainable ct is a wonderful organization and they have um a online driven crowdfunding platform that we were able to plug into Mm -hmm. and we set a goal and and blew past it so you you, so if i can if i can toot your horn for a minute you had a goal of seven thousand five hundred and you made thirteen thousand seven hundred and twenty seven as I understand yes, it. Yes, we did. <laughs> and I am yes, uh, blown away by that. That is fantastic. So that's how you know that something really does have um, audience and community support when you, when something like that happens. That's Thanks. amazing. The donation amazing. range was, you know, from $5 to mm-hmm. $2,000. So right. that also feels, you know, like a healthy mix. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So I am speaking with Eleanor Slamba of Arts West Connecticut, and I am Martha Willette Lewis, and this is Live Culture on WPKN 89.5 FM and streaming at WPKN.org. And it's a once a month program about visual arts, and we are in conversation. So Eleanor, what is your exact title? President. You're president. Okay. It's a um, board of directors, mm-hmm. and... Yeah, we have a wonderful board, including uh, Ruth Garvey Torres, who's uh, a member of the Scaticote Tribal Nation Mm -hmm. and edits an online journal called Dawnland Voices, which is Northeastern Indigenous artists and their their stories. Dawnland Voices. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. Yeah, and Zora Rawling, whose oh. performance group is called Madame yeah. Talia, mm-hmm. and she's a beekeeper in her backyard here in West Haven, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she's on our board as well. Wonderful. Um, yeah. That's great. So tell me about some of the other projects. You had a number of things that we were, when we were talking well, about having you on the show, you were throwing some things back and forth, and it was <laughs> it was dizzying and really exciting. Ah, oh, thanks. Well, all of the pilot programs that we've tested over the past year kind of sprang out of a roundtable that um, Dorinda Bohr and Nancy Rossi, our mayor, and Dorinda Bohr, our state rep, were present for convening kind of who, who arts, what is the face of arts and culture in West Haven? So we met at the West Haven High School, presented mm-hmm. some highlights from the cultural assets mapping project, and convene these kinds of um, circles of activity. And from those circles, 
um, one that had legs really was the the folks interested in poetry, literature, writing. Mm-hmm. Connecticut Poetry Society's officer is our West Haven Poet Laureate, Tony Fusco. Oh. And then the Connecticut Poet Laureate is a West Haven resident, Antoinette Brimbell. She was just appointed to be the eighth Connecticut Poet Laureate this year. And so that's something in the in the spirit of our mission that we just yeah. want to absolutely celebrate. So I met with Antoinette and asked what she wanted to to do to uh, inaugurate her her tenure, and she's like, "Let's bring a bunch of poets here to West Haven and talk about how awesome poetry is." Yeah, so it's interesting oh, no. how certain kinds of arts go in and out of fashion, and and poetry is just so now. Hmm. Well, I'm glad. I mean, Elm, me too. Elm, <laughs> yes, the um, Elm City Lit um, was on hand and uh, helped to moderate, and they brought a pop up book. Sales, so people mm-hmm. were actually able to, to buy books. And, but what I loved was that people came as far away as Enfield, Washington, Connecticut, yeah. Hartford, yeah. New London, really all four corners of the state to view West Haven as a cultural destination for that That's day. So spectacular. The, That's great. The next time anything like that happens, we're going to catch them with our cultural dining guide because there's so many great restaurants here. So we're in the process of putting that together. And what a good idea. Donors. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Donors to our crowdfunding campaign um, at the $50 and level and up, we promised them to be one of the early draft readers of this dining guide. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's almost complete to be circulated and then we'll get input. And what's nice is it's not just restaurants, but say um, the cultural dance form that goes along with. Um, with that cuisine, mm-hmm. you know, we had a lot of other things present on the ground that people oh, can walk cool. into. So. so one of the things that I like about your approach is, first of all, it, it involves asking people in the community what, what, what they need, what they want and what they have. And, mm. and it's, it's a way of kind of consolidating what's already there and then strengthening it. Um, Thanks. How about Which, that? Yeah. How about that? How about that as an approach? Um, and I really like that. I think that's really because there is it's there are things there already. And um, it seems like a very doable way of a doable model for proceeding. For instance, mm, poetry well, events, I think of as being relatively economical to produce. Right. Um and and that's a good way to start. And, you know, when when there are if and when there are solid buildings that are meant for as performance spaces, that's a that's a whole different story um, and different kinds of things can take place. But it's a, you you have a model where you can keep building up and go from strength to strength, but also see what works. That's that's the vision. And I'm glad you're inviting other folks to envision it with us, because that's what's on our Facebook page, which is West Haven Arts uh, on Facebook. It's the Good. Facebook page for Arts West CT. And it says um, Envision with us. Uh, and then um, goes on to say, I'm pulling it up right now, Envision with us and Arts Haven, where members of West Haven's diverse community come together to share their talent, stories, art, and cultural heritage. That's lovely. And the idea of sharing is lovely. Um, Can you, is there a website or is it only Facebook? Facebook for now. We, Mm -hmm. with some of our crowdfunding money, are in touch with designers now about a website. What's 
what's nice and brewing is an artist lending library, and that's going to need to be integrated into the website. Mm-hmm. There's a 10 by 10 tent that West Haven artists say they want to have a booth at a farmer's market or at our neighboring Westville Arts Walk or something. Mm-hmm. You know, you shouldn't have to necessarily invest in all of this stuff up front. If somebody needs to borrow a PA system, we have one that was purchased with a small grant from the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven, and I've loaned it out to not-for-profit groups who've needed it in the past, but all of that needs to be much more widely known and and very you know, structured in how to check these things out. And so the artist lending library is going to be integrated into the new website in the coming year. Eleanor Salamba, this is, this does sound like genuine good news. And I want to thank you for being on live culture. Um, people thank who, you. <laughs> thank you. So people who want to find out about arts West Connecticut, CT arts West CT is the formal name. Um, yes. Come to Facebook. Come to Facebook and find out and see what's going on. Um, There's a link on there that you can sign up for the newsletter, and then you'll really be in the know. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on Live Culture. We have to go now. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And I want to thank you for listening to Live Culture. We are on the air at WPKN once a month. I'm Martha Willett-Lewis. I'm a visual artist, and I talk with people about visual arts and culture And it has been a delight to be with you. If you want to listen to the show again, you can hear it in archives or it will be as a podcast. So thank you and goodbye. Support comes from Premier Concerts, presenting singer-songwriter Angel Olsen and opener Aaron Ray at College Street Music Hall. Olsen released her sixth studio album last year and continues to blend folk, alternative rock, Americana, and country influences into her sound. Also on the bill is Nashville's Aaron Ray, whose album last year found her in California, recording in Laurel Canyon. Angel Olsen and Aaron Ray in New Haven, Tuesday, February 7th. Info and tickets at collegestreetmusichall.com. Tune in to the next edition of Alternative Radio to hear Angela Davis on Beginnings, Movements of Possibility. That's Alternative Radio, Monday mornings at 6 on WPKN 89.5 FM Independent Community Radio. Would you like to be reminded when your favorite show is on? Follow WPKN Radio on Twitter and you'll always be in the know. We let you know when every program is starting. We link to interesting stuff in the archives and remind you of special events coming up. Follow WPKN Radio on Twitter. Did you know horses change lives in many ways? They are intuitive, read your body language, and pick up on all your emotions. They are wise and majestic. I am Sarah Tucker, Executive Director of New Canaan Mounted Troop, a not-for-profit youth development and therapeutic equestrian center. 
I'd like to share two of our programs with you. Our youth development program, Troopers, is for children 7 to 17. The mission is to build leadership, responsibility, and confidence through sound horsemanship. Our therapeutic program, called Super Troopers, serves children and adults with physical, developmental, cognitive, and emotional disabilities and focuses on equine care skills, grooming, feeding, and caring for horses, as well as adaptive riding. More info at newcanamountedtroop.org, or better yet, you may visit us at The Barn, 22 Carter Street in New Canaan. Danbury Animal Welfare Society is a no-kill animal shelter that has been making a difference in the lives of animals since 1974. We promote responsible pet guardianship and the humane treatment of animals, and we work toward ending animal overpopulation through our spay and neuter services and a variety of educational and community outreach programs. If you're looking to add a new furry friend to your family, we'd be happy to help. Stop by our shelter during our open house hours to visit with our adorable adoptable animals. Danbury Animal Welfare Society is located at 147 Grassy Plain Street in Bethel, Connecticut. To learn more about us, visit our website at Dawes.org. That's D-A-W-S dot org. Literacy Volunteers of Greater New Haven has been helping adults learn to read and write or to speak English for over 40 years. Literacy Volunteers trains tutors who provide classes for adults in reading, writing, and English conversation at locations throughout the community. More information about our programs and volunteer opportunities is available at 203-776-5899 or at www.lvagnh.org. Literacy Volunteers of Greater New Haven, 40 Years of Empowering Adults Through Literacy. Listening to the forest and the trees, global and local perspectives on the environment, is like taking a walk in the woods with a companion or two, enjoying your surroundings while learning about issues like saving street trees in your town or stopping polluting gas and oil pipelines around the country, always with grassroots experts to ground truth the conversation. I'm your host, Melinda Tuhus, inviting you to listen on the second Saturday of the month at 9.30 a.m., here on WPKN 89.5 FM in Bridgeport, or catch the archived version after the broadcast.